What is this? For the mess. Can I begin? Uh huh. It's the chill kit. I got the cards to the deck you should deal with. I got the flows to nod your head. Can you feel it? I put the beans in the bag and I will never spill it. Yes, sir. Damn right. I keep it low key. They must got all time as if they say that they know me. Hey, welcome to the Forty Masses podcast. My name is John Barrett, your host. Hey, I'm super excited for this episode. Um, I'm really, really excited that this guest came on. Um, He came all the way from Nebraska, Omaha for this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't come for this podcast, um, but he came far for something very big we'll probably get into during the show. But before we get into that and who he is and what he does, we have admin tasks because we do what we got to do. So please follow us on all platforms at For The Masses Podcast and on YouTube at JB The Masses Podcast. Week after week, we're going to talk about the views. We just need to add to the subscriber count, so let's keep on adding to the subscriber count, okay? But, hey, I'm, like I'm, I'm said, I said, I'm super excited for the guest. You know, he's a politician. He's a, just a, a great civil rights leader from Nebraska, Omaha, and his name is Preston Love. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine, John, and I surely appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. For sure, for uh, sure. And... It's fun on a lot of levels. I'm uh, away from home. I'm in Washington, D.C., and uh, sitting down with family and friends for dinner and now having this opportunity to communicate just what's on my mind and what could be on your mind. So I'm looking forward to the Absolutely. time that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's always a pleasure. And like, so let's tell everyone why you're in Washington, D.C. Well, I am in Washington, D.C., uh, but before I tell you, uh, uh, it should be said that at uh, this juncture in my life, I don't do a lot of traveling. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm not like, I did work for IBM for 15 years. Yeah. And uh, I used to tra- travel almost three or four times a week. Yes. Uh, that was a, another world, yeah. another age, another era. But I don't travel a lot. I say all of that to say that it's just not another trip. This is a trip. I am here in Washington, D.C. because I had the honor, uh, I was invited uh, individually to attend a celebration of sorts by the President of the United States to come to Washington along with others to celebrate uh, the post-signing celebration of the Inflation Reduction Act. And so today, uh, we were invited to the White House. That didn't know exactly what to expect in terms of the environment. We were out uh, on the grounds, as they, that's how they say yeah, that, just okay. in case. You're, are you going to the grounds? Or are you? But uh, with uh, thousands of people, all who were individually invited, that's, that's what was unique. Yeah, uh, it wasn't like an open meeting. It wasn't even first come, first serve. It was, I received a special, and so did they, I assume, invitation to attend. Uh, It was a celebration uh, of a very important juncture uh, in America. Uh, The current president, President Biden, has accomplished uh, some major legislation. In spite of so many things that he inherited 
so many things that have occurred. Uh, I've just mentioned one just to put it in context, but he surely inherited uh, an economy that was fragile. Uh, he then inherited a pandemic <clears throat> uh, that was, you know, paralyzed our country for two years. He inherited, uh, I wouldn't say inherited, but he uh, he received the uh, unfortunate part of his administration of a, almost uh, the beginning of a new war, 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 war. And, uh, you know, all of that, so many other things that were residuals. And so this meeting today was important for those who are, I would must say, supporters of those bills, including this last one, which is the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, to congratulate ourselves, because many of us worked hard, and him congratulating us. Out. But there was a secret agenda, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, would you like to know? I would. Like <laughs> sure. The secret agenda was to fire us up, yeah. to go back home and, uh, to our various locations and work hard to get uh, to maintain uh, a majority in both the United States Senate and the, United, and the House of Representatives because if in fact uh, that this president does have not the majority within his own party then everything is going to stop and be paralyzed. So and, there's and, a lot at stake. And Preston, well, I'm, I'm going to cut you off yeah. here. For everyone listening and watching, what party is that? Well, I was trying to be uh, to protect your yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, uh, the Democratic Party. Okay. And so, and if, if you want to just hear just a little sm small sliver, I see there are really three parties now, mm. and that's me talking. Uh, there is the Democratic Party, which I'm part of, an officer in the state of Nebraska. I'm the vice chair yeah. of the Democratic Party. There is the Republican Party. And the Republican Party, the Democrats, disagree on many policy. But we have had years of my life where we disagreed, but we were not disagreeable. Yeah. And then we have, really, the Trump and his juggernaut, yeah. and the Trumpers, if you will. That's a whole other story. And I violently, uh, I don't say, I take that back. I don't violently. I'm only talking intellectually violently. Yes. Uh, disagree with his policies, but also feel that he is anti-American. And he surely uh, has done as much as he could to disrupt and uh, attack democracy. That includes democracy in the abstract, democracy as a, uh, as a generic, and democracy as it relates to my race and African Americans, and our restrictiveness uh, that is attached to uh, trying to restrict our voting and trying not to count votes uh, in our areas and new policies to to uh, restrict voting. So all of that I'm saying that's where the three different areas are. So to answer your question, long answer, is I'm here as a, as a practicing uh, Democrat, both within and out of the party. Yeah. Many people are Democrats or Republicans or whatever, but they vote. That yes. way, but they don't. They're not practicing. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
And so I'm a operative, if you will, and part of the reason why I was invited today and I'm here is because of that. That's awesome, and that's a pretty big deal. And so what can you tell us about the Inflation um, Inflation Reduction Act? Well, the uh, it's made up of many parts, and I, I probably feel uncomfortable because I, if I, I may leave some of the parts out, but a couple of them yeah. to be specific. Uh, one is related to me and uh, and that and all those uh, people around the country and in my community that are like me, meaning we're elders yes. or we're aging. And that is that one of the things that you'll find when you get older is uh, your health challenges are greater. And when your health challenges are greater, guess what? You you prescribe, you have prescription drugs that become uh, a necessity, number one, and two, a bigger part of your budget. And it can be catastrophic uh, for people financially and health-wise, health-wise because sometimes they can't afford it and they have to make choices between food and drug. It it, it seems uh, maybe that's not the case. It is the case. case. And so one of the aspects of this new uh, bill that we're here to celebrate is that they're putting a cap on on how much seniors uh, will have to spend two thousand dollars on on prescription drugs. So once you reach that, you I don't know how it's going to be implemented, yeah. but there's a cap. That's a biggie. That's awesome. That's a biggie. And also that Medicare uh, will have was, is going to be given the authority to negotiate with the drug pharmaceutical companies who gouge or gouging the prices and get those uh, the cost of an individual prescription down yeah. to reasonability. That's a, those two, that's those are too big. Another one, again, I'm not going to list them all, but I surely that's one that's on my mind. The other is something that I've always felt very uncomfortable about and uh, somewhat intellectually angry is billionaire companies that uh, don't pay any taxes. And so this, uh, another aspect of this bill, is that every corporation has to pay a minimum of 15%. And now that doesn't sound that large. Uh, I'm thinking uh, of a couple corporations who were multi-billion dollar gross revenue and paid zero taxes because they use all of the the high paid Lawyers and yeah. lawyers. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> For sure. But but pay their 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 professionals yeah. to to work the system and not pay any taxes. And so that works against our country because yeah. that all that revenue is just really uh, being manipulated, and then that makes it more difficult. For we have to pay the difference. That's not fair. Yeah, that's not fair. And so that's. That's that's a major piece. Absolutely. So those are a couple of the many aspects uh, of this. And the other thing that uh, it should be uh, made clear of is this is the most recent uh, good news. Yeah. But we've had the infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, we had stimulus, the bills for stimulus money that many of us received. 
to help us get through the period where that our economy was so affected by COVID. So we had the stimulus, but we had this uh, multi-billion dollar uh, infrastructure that will create jobs and, uh, and, and do the things to our infrastructure that need to be done, bridges and highways. I mean, it's really amazing. Remember, I don't know if you recall or remember this, I don't can't give you the date or the location because I forgot, but the president was visiting the city in the United States. And while he was in the city, the bridge fell down. The well, major I remember bridge. that. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. And so, uh, you know, and every state has. But that's another part. But what I'm saying is there were several, several major uh, pieces of legislation that this president has uh, implemented. Yeah. And it's time to say, hey, you know, smart. yeah, when we play basketball uh, or football, let's use football. You go score a touchdown, you know, nobody scores a touchdown. Say, Thank you very much. Here's the ball referee. Oh, no, you go, ah, okay, bamboo, because you have worked hard and got in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, we, we, I'm here and we were here today to do some end, uh, we were doing some end zone dancing. That's what we're here. Sure. Yeah. That's incredible, and like obviously, like you've been doing this work for a long time, and um, so let's tell everyone where you're from, and did you always want to get into politics? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, pretty much the early part of my life, uh, I was all focused on athletics. Okay. And so I was a high school athletic star, and I wanted to, you know, play in the big leagues or pro football, as you might want to call it. But I played big time uh, college football. And then was drafted by the Detroit Lions. Did you know? That? I did not know yeah. that. That's awesome. I'm gonna see how many uh, times I can get you to say I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, for I got, sure. you, I got you for one. But I played. Uh, was drafted by the Detroit Lions. Did not make it. Okay. But uh, got my little bonus money and got out of Dodge. That's but, awesome. Uh, but I surely wanted to. And so uh, I received a degree from the University of Nebraska Lincoln uh, in economics, which was kind of unique. Uh, because first of all, many there weren't a lot of. You might not know this, and on another way of describing my life, we could get into it. But I'll use this one example and stay there. When I played for the University of Nebraska, I'm going to put a pen in that and say, if you go to the University of Nebraska football team right now, I don't know how many there are, but there's several blacks yeah. per position. Yeah. And there's 11. No, there's 22 positions. Yeah. So do the math. There's a whole lot of black. When I played for Nebraska, there were only eight. Eight blacks on the Nebraska. Entire. And we crazy. had more than the rest of the That's Division crazy. 8. That's uh, with the exception of the HBCU. And so that's the time frame. Uh, my point is... Uh, that uh, I was pleased to be drafted, but I, my focus was on athletics. Yeah. Your question was about my always wanting to be in politics. The answer was no, I wanted to be in athletics. Yeah. And then after that, I had a standing offer uh, as a graduate uh, in economics mm-hmm. from the University of Nebraska, uniquely so. But I was getting ready to say most of the other athletes didn't tackle some of the that kind of subject matter, uh, but uh, uh, but had a standing offer from IBM. I joined IBM, 
someone as, as a pioneer, if you're interested in knowing that, we could talk about that. But, uh, and was with the 5M for 15 years. And so, nope, no, no politics come yeah, up yet. Sure. And so, uh, then I left IBM. Uh, your, your viewers may find this interesting. And I started my own uh, computer company in Atlanta, Georgia in 1980. And guess what? Uh, I sold, this is another, I think, yeah. be, I didn't know that. I sold the very first Apple in the state of Georgia. Did you really? Yeah. And Atlanta, of course. I sold the very first Apple in the state. That's insane. And my little retail store, I had the first retail store selling in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And so, uh, I was in, living in, in Atlanta, and I was unique and popular with many folks because I had this unique business yeah. nobody understood. Yeah, for sure. uh, I remember, long, I'm getting off the subject, okay. but I, I remember I got a business call from the Yellow Pages because I had a business and they wanted to sell those. People probably don't even know what yellow pages <laughs> were. Right? That's when we had telephones, and to find out what the number was, you had to look them up, in, the <laughs> look them up in a big book. So you had the yellow pages which were business, and the white pages which were residents. Oh. oh man, it's fun to talk about that. Yeah. But they called on me to, for me to run an ad in the yellow pages, and I said, "Well, yeah, but I want to run a new category, and I think you all should." hear me. And I said, you, you have to have a category called computers. They said, oh, oh no, no. <laughs> excuse me, sir, but yeah, that, that's yeah. all right. We we got we know what we're doing. You, you know, uh, and so how wrong were they? But that's how much I was an innovator at that particular that's juncture. Crazy. And so, okay, here's how this ties back to your question. And that is that at that point, no politics. However, my business failed. I'd be more than happy on another podcast to tell you what happened with my business. I made some what I'd call Harvard Business School mistakes. Okay. Uh, my business was successful and failed. Oops, that should uh, catch your interest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Basically, what I did is I uh, used current operating money to, and spent too much of my current operating money on what I thought was the future of the company. And so that what that did is come back to haunt me uh, operationally. It was a it was a classic mistake. Yeah. Uh, it was a naive mistake. But anyway, so my business failed, and so I, being myself, highly educated, highly experienced, having worked for IBM for fifty years, have innovative, and guess what else? What? Unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And so here I am, unemployed in the city of Atlanta with all. The greatness going on, and there's a gentleman who was running for mayor. His name was Andrew Young. Andrew Young is a name familiar to a lot of people, but he surely was with the entourage with Martin Luther King. He had, uh, by that time, had been a congressman. Mm -hmm. He had also been the ambassador to the UN and, and was running to be the second black mayor of the city of Atlanta. Okay? And so I'm looking for a job. Someone said, well, why don't you go volunteer? and drive Andrew Young. Yeah. And maybe if he wins, you know, you might, you know, be good networking and so forth. So that's what I did. I went and drove. Make a long story short, uh, it didn't take him long to figure out that maybe I was a 
could do more. Came in and driving. And so, make a short story out of this. It's already long, but shorter. Okay. Uh, is when he was elected, I was one of the three people that was appointed into the city of Atlanta. I was the budget director and later the uh, director of commissioner of planning wow. for the city of Atlanta. You didn't know that. Didn't know that. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but here's what the bigger story. And that is, uh, I, I was involved in politics, but I was more of a technician because nobody in that time frame knew how to use computers mm. in elections. I did. I figured out something, yeah. and that made me unique. But I wasn't thinking of myself as a politician. I was thinking of myself as a computer person in a campaign. Yeah. That's two different things. But it didn't take long before I became immersed with that. And uh, two things happened. One, uh, I became uh, familiar with and then very close and part of the inside civil rights community because I was working with one of their icons very closely. I was one of his close advisors and friends, Dr. Andrew Young. And so that might be Andrew Young. Uh, And so, uh, so my point was this, okay. I knew, so the first thing was I became immersed in the family. That's a story that has some other roots. But one of the people who would come in and out of town during that period, one of his uh, fellow associates was Jesse Jackson. And so Jesse Jackson and I met, we became good friends, and almost immediately uh, he began to uh, ask me, what, could I help him do this, could I help him do that? And I was excited. I kind of held uh, the Reverend Jesse Jackson on a pedestal because he was kind of famous a little bit in Chicago with the Operation Breadbasket. So I kind of knew of him and was kind of yeah. interesting. And also, uh, a little aside uh, that in it now. So let me just say this. Uh, Andrew Young was elected mayor in 1980. In 1983, uh, Harold Washington uh, ran to be mayor of Chicago. And I was sent by Andrew Young to go to Chicago. You didn't know that? No. And I was a very instrumental in helping uh, Harold Washington become the first black mayor of Chicago That's in 1983. Insane. But so back to it, to with all of that, and my reputation was, oh man, this guy knows how to use computer. Mm-hmm. And they thought I was a genius because no one knew how to use computer. Right. I was a dummy, yeah. but I didn't know how to <laughs> use computer. But anyway, to make a long story short on this part of the story is Jesse and I became close and he asked me, would I be willing to take a leave of absence from Andrew Young and come with him and explore the idea for his presidency? Yeah. And that's, that's the story. Incredible. I went on to become his campaign manager. That's incredible. So that's how I got in politics. Yeah. And so it wasn't a dream. It's just something that evolved. And now, 40, 45 years later, I have been heavily involved politically uh, a lot since then. Yeah, absolutely. Something to note is like in 2020, 
you made a, a run for like the Nebraska U.S. Senate seat. Yeah. Can you talk about that and what prompted that? Yeah. Um, well, uh, by 2020, uh, anybody who doesn't have to be a mathematician would start figuring out I'm, I'm keep getting up in the age. Uh, but I had gained by 2020 uh, a very wonderful reputation. Yep. Uh, and credibility, uh, trusted uh, within the community and quite frankly with the Democratic Party. And so it, there came uh, the 2020 election. We had a fellow who was running as the Democratic candidate for Senate. He uh, turned out to be a scoundrel. Okay. And he turned out to be uh, very, uh, uh, he did some things, uh, trying to think of the right words, but he uh, was uh, disrespectful and did some things as relates to some of his women's staffers. Okay. And so one of them uh, blew the whistle on him, and the Democratic Party uh, disavowed him yes. and asked him to resign and let them appoint another candidate yes. for the Senate. He refused. And so uh, you cannot put, the Democrats could not put another candidate on the ballot while he refused. If he would have been a, a straightforward guy, which obviously he wasn't, he would resign someone Boy, could have been put in. So they asked me, would I be willing to do the unthinkable, which is be their candidate, albeit a write-in, mm. which is, for those who know politics, it's the uphill fight. But I said yes as a favor. And so I ran for the United States Senate as the Democratic awesome. uh, nominee. Uh, and the, the, the punchline on this story is I received more write-in votes for the United States Senate than any Nebraska had ever received in the history of Nebraska. I received more write-in votes. That's period. crazy. Yeah. And so that record stand. The record was somewhere around 16,000. I got 62,000 write-in votes for Senate and game. was able to talk about the issues and represent myself and the party in some ways that, you know. Yeah. And so part of the reason why I get invited to the White House, the White House is because of some of those things. But that run for the United States Senate was historic because of African-American had not run for United States Senate, but more so that uh, uh, I, I kind of showed that there's potential in the state of Nebraska, the red state, that even an African-American could get. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and, that, and that's incredible to me. Um, and I, I just think it's, it's awesome, actually. So, like, well, what prompted you to say yes? Because I know you have a lot going on. Yeah. Obviously, it was a pandemic yeah. during that time. Yeah. So that was a pandemic environment, plus your, your company, uh, your nonprofit, Black Voters Matter. Like, so what made you say yes? Well, it's a good question. I think the simple uh, couple of answers come to mind. One is they really asked me to do the party a favor. Okay. That was, that was a big part of it. Okay. Uh, we both knew, meaning me and the party knew, that low odds for winning. Okay. And so I wasn't ego tripping on that. And so I thought, yeah, uh, yes, I'll do the party a favor. And then there was, a, I did have something else that occurred to me 
and it really turned out to be true, was that my candidacy uh, motivated the black folks to come out and vote. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that was going to help other Democrats. That all worked. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, when the story is written, a lot of people might overlook that part because they don't understand the black community. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, that's kind of why I said, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. And so, do you plan on making another run here soon? No, I don't. I, I, I think that part of my career is is pretty. Sh- I, I'm absolutely sure it's over, but it's not over because I feel like I've aged out. Yeah, uh, I am older than the regular or average candidate, but I do think we've got a lot of young people that we people like me should be spending our time nourishing and growing them, not running for office. That is more ego. So. Uh, so that's one reason why not. The other thing is, the other reason is I have, uh, I'm pretty busy. I teach at the university in black studies mm-hmm. and political science. I'm an author. I've written five books, two of which are children's books. I have a uh, two nonprofit organizations and a profit and one for profit. Mm-hmm. I do, uh, uh, your audience may note that we do an annual tour, uh, which you've been on, uh, where we take high school kids throughout the South and teach them about their own history. And now, most recently, I have a new business, which is to do tours of the African-American community in Omaha, Nebraska. It's called the North Omaha Legacy Tour, where we're doing the same thing we do in the National Tour. We're teaching adults about Black, we're teaching our community a, a little bit about some things they may have forgotten or not aware of in their community, but what mainly what we're doing is we're teaching people outside yeah. the black community to quit uh, having biases, yeah. misunderstandings, uh, have this mystique of wrongly uh, about yeah. the culture and the history of the black community. That has turned out to be extremely uh, successful. I'm very yeah. proud. Since January, when we started the business, we've done over 100 tours. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We're sitting out first of September. I purchased a 15-passenger bus when we started the business. And just breaking news, just bought another uh, bus that has 25 seats. Hey, let's go. Yeah. So, uh, because we have the, the, the number of people who want to be uh, on a tour adds up to more than 50. Yeah, for sure. Lots and lots of that. So, I've invested in that. That's awesome. Yeah. And well, you're doing amazing work. And um, the Black History Tour, the stop that I went to was in Atlanta, Georgia, super, obviously, like super historical for the black community. Yeah. Um, but you gave some speeches, you know, and you had all the kids do like a reports on like black icons yeah. in our history. Yeah. And um, you, you did a impression of someone. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. I forgot that. I sprung that on you. You did. And it was incredible. Uh, you want me to tell you who it yes, is? You yes. want me to tell you who it is? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I'm kind of honored that you remember, John, uh, that uh, we surely did. Uh, we, uh, we, if I could just take a 30 seconds, this tour 
that we're speaking of. Uh, we do take 40 high school kids every year and we take a lot of adults and you were uh, uh, there for part of the tour. But we go quickly, we go to Memphis, Tennessee. We go to Jackson, Mississippi. We go to <clears throat> Birmingham. We then go to Tuskegee. We go to Selma. We go to Montgomery and Atlanta. We do that in a week. All expenses paid for the, for the students. That's why I have gray hair, raising that money every year. <laughs> oh, I have breaking news to tell you about okay. the tour too. But we do that and, uh, and so, but on our last day in Atlanta, we have what probably could be called uh, a banquet, yeah. where we uh, we go to the Friendship uh, Baptist Church there, which is quite yeah. a church. Right? Yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal church, huge, beautiful church, and we have a we have a dinner before it's the last the tour in effect is over. We're having a kind of a uh, let's relax and enjoy this last meal. Get on the bus and head back to Omaha, but we give. You know some accolades. We ask the student to give reports on yep. those, on those, and then I usually give some sort of uh, make some comments. But this year I added a little feature, and that was uh, one of the, uh, my idols uh, historically was the uh, Reverend Adam Clayton Powell, Congressman Adam Clayton Powell, who was the congressman from Harlem. Uh, for from 1944 to 1970, he was an amazing man. Anyway, I wrote uh, several years ago, researched and wrote a one-man show where I become Adam Clayton Powell. So that little clip you yeah, saw was sure. me doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> and and for yeah. everyone watching, listen, it was an amazing yeah. clip. It was yeah. captivating for me. Yeah. And, uh, I, didn't, I didn't announce it. I just yeah. did. But. Uh, but that's where it came from. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's, his story is uh, quite a story. And so I have breaking news uh, uh, for anyone listening, uh, but for your for your podcast and for you, we're gonna, well, first of all, we had breaking news last year. Okay. And we went a couple places that you went, but you didn't maybe know that we hadn't done it before. Uh, we had no. never really did what I'd call a tour of Black Atlanta. Yes, we we were in Black Atlanta and did things, King Center and many other. But we did a tour of Black Atlanta. That was it was great. Yeah, that was great. great. So we're gonna do that yeah. every year. Tyler Perry Studios was. Oh, but that's the second thing is we went to the Tyler Perry Studio. Yeah, and uh, we're hoping over the years they're gonna let us go further into. But that was the second. And the third uh, breaking news for last year was we actually went to Megar Evers' home and walked around. You weren't with us. That wasn't. Mm -hmm. But we went. Megar Evers, of course, was the great civil rights leader from uh, Mississippi, Jackson to be exact. He was shot in his driveway in 1963. We went to his house. And so, uh, but this year, oh, we also went uh, and celebrated one of the financiers one of the millionaires of the civil rights movement, Mr. A.G. Gaston in Birmingham. We did all that last year. This year we're adding Tulsa. Oh, Tulsa, Oklahoma? Yes. Black Wall we're going to go to Black Wall Street. That's incredible. That's uh, we, Nobody knows that. It's breaking news. It's breaking for news your, for the podcast. <laughs> we're going to go to 
uh, in, in all seriousness, can't wait to yeah. do that. Now that should be that should be incredible. Yeah. Super historical place, you know. And there was something else that stuck with me when you were, you know, doing closing remarks. And you just kind of like, it was like a commission to all the kids to like kind of like you like anything you want to do you can do. And you told them like to, you know, none of the things that happened to you in the past matter. Yeah. Like what what was that prompted? Well, it's just the truth of it is. Uh, but what I offer the kids, the young people, is my life experiences. Yeah. I've lived a long time. I'm not going to say on the air how long that's been. <laughs> but, I've, but I've experienced, you know, we've talked about some of the things yeah. I've done and experienced, so I've done that. But the, the accumulation of that is, is wisdom. Yeah. And so I'm not giving a motivational speech in the abstract. I'm giving them a talk about the real. And the real from someone who's lived it, not someone who's think thought about it yeah. only. And so uh, that's partly why we do the tour. We're trying to teach them their own history, get them to respect it, and hopefully to go out and learn it. Oops, we got a problem. It's somewhere along the line they're going to have some hiccups in their lives yeah. and otherwise, and I'm trying to tell them, so what? So what? Yeah, and uh, that's why I do what I do. Nah, and yeah. it's it definitely impressionable. Like I said, like I, I think that's my first time meeting you, and it was impressionable. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and it means it means the world that you took the time to jump on a podcast. But before we let you go, sure. Where can people find you? Where can they find all the initiatives and everything you're part of? Well, you mean tonight? No. <laughs> if, let me go ahead and tell you where you can find it tonight. I'll be sleeping in my bed. And I got to get up early in the morning. So get on a plane and return to Omaha. But I, of course, am based in Omaha, Nebraska. And my website uh, is the number four, foururban.org. And on my website, it pretty much chronicles, you know, with the tabs, the things that we do. And we've talked about a lot of them tonight, my tours, all of my tours, uh, my books, my teaching. Uh, I do, I am a very regular, uh, I'm, I don't consider myself a writer, John. Mm -hmm. I consider myself a voice now. Yeah. That, I, But it it's, ends up on paper yeah so so I my voice on matters that I've gained wisdom on that I want to share or I want to motivate because uh, uh, it needs to be done Absolutely. and uh, so my parting words would be something about uh, that the communities that maybe watch your podcast I'm speaking of both but they're different motivations but for the african-american community and others who may be watching i don't think i don't think we're understanding what's at stake now for our country and the world uh who's faced with divisiveness divisions uh, climate challenges uh the quality of women and the the right for women to choose, mass incarceration, poverty, all of that. We can't sit back and just 
see what happens. And so my pirating comments is we evolve in our own way. Got to stand up and handle our business. Even if it is telling the truth and being active at your dinner table. Absolutely. It starts right there. Absolutely. And it's been my pleasure to be on your podcast and I invite myself back. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Anytime. Anytime, yeah. President. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining us for the Masters Podcast. Yes, sir. Hey, I had an amazing episode with Mr. Preston Love. He's just a phenomenal spirit and inspiring story, and he's been doing it for almost 50 years. Um, from IBM to being an activist in the civil rights movement, uh, he's just a phenomenal spirit, and I'm extremely happy he was able to jump on the podcast. There's a lot of gems in this episode, so please take advantage of it, and thank you for listening for the Masses Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to my lovely mother, Alfreda Bullock. She ran her race with elegance and pride. I love you forever.